This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we're FNA Van Life. Today, we have a very special, probably going to be two part episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure, because we got talking and all the information was so great. We're talking about traveling through Mexico into Central America and possibly even traveling further south from there eventually. But this episode covers it all, everything that you need to know. Uh, Zeki has traveled to all these places and spent a massive amount of time in a lot of these places. So he can give us all the raw information that you need to know that's going to benefit you on your travels there. And I think it's going to put your mind at ease a little bit. Central America is one of those places that people are very weary of usually. And, you know, we've definitely been told, ooh, don't go there. or Ooh, that country's dangerous or whatever it is. And, you know, it's always important to get your information from people who've actually done the things that you want to do rather than just talking to people who, you know, read a news article once about it. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And also I would say that we've traveled in some places like Jamaica, for instance, and actually rented a car and traveled. And a lot of people were scared of us doing that, you know, and we rented the car, we drove, we realized that Most places that you go, especially if you're a tourist, a lot of places are going to be very happy with having you there and are actually going to be more at, like, the will to, like, come to your rescue. There might be certain places where you might have a little bit of corruption, stuff that's happening, but there's definitely ways to avoid or go around those things as well. And we're going to learn that in this podcast. Yeah, Zeki has a lot of great information about how to be smart, how to be safe, how to, you know, get your documents set up and everything you need ready to go. But it's a lot about, you know, having fun and the great places to visit and what you can expect from each country as you're traveling. Yeah, I think what you'll find out in this episode is the fact that everywhere you go, there's great, nice people. It doesn't matter what people say on the internet, what people say on you know, the news or what your friends and family are telling you have never been there. But yeah, I really do think, and I do believe that everywhere we go, majority of the time, it's overwhelmingly pleasant. Mm -hmm. And just a note, we did get cut off in the middle of this conversation. Um, We were siphoning some internet from Starbucks and it just (laughs) kind of gave out on us. So we did pick the conversation up a couple days later. Um, It's pretty seamless. We might have like lost track of, you know, exactly what we were saying at that moment. But I don't think it takes away from the episode. No. And I don't think that we're going to really get into where we are and what's going on right now. Just because this episode is so long, we want to jump right into the details of it. We want you guys to benefit from all the information. So get your pads and your paper out. You know, save this podcast because it's going to be a good one for you. So rather than giving an update from the road, we are going to jump straight into Central America with Zeki. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. We appreciate having you. Uh, I know that we started talking a little bit, but we want to know more about you, where you're from, what type of rig you got, and what inspired you to jump into the lifestyle. 
Okay. Well, my name's Zeki. I'm from Texas. I'm originally in my family's from Nicaragua. So I spent a lot of time down south of uh, the Texan border as well. I have a Ram ProMaster 2500 um, that I completely built out myself. Um, I mean, I did all of the work, uh, which was so scary and fun. Uh, I got motivated to do this from uh, watching channels like your guys's and seeing some other people like Forrest and Alex, the lovely owners of uh, Luna, the van. After having talked to them and watching your guys' story and some other van life stories, I decided to do it. And I bought the van and started building out uh, Titan, which actually I named Titan Titan because of all the help that Forrest and Alex gave me. Uh, their van is named Luna, which is the moon. And so I named mine after a moon as well. So, that's Titan. awesome that's amazing yeah we were talking before we started recording about Forrest and Alex who are friends of both like our kind of mutual friend um so Forrest and Alex are some folks that we met on the road really when we were just first getting you know started I think we were probably about four to five months on the road at that point yeah and uh yeah we were in the Redwoods area and we and we met up with them out there we spent a lot of good quality time with them and I mean, even so much so where Alex from Forrest and Alex actually painted us a little portrait of Paco that sits on our wall right now. <laughs> That's so dope. Yeah, it's super cute. Yeah. So it's amazing. You know, the van life community is very vast and spread out. And, you know, you, you think it's really big, but I feel like it's also like a really small world in that, you know, you mentioned someone and we're like, oh, yeah, we know them. And then, you know, like, it's it's just funny that. You know, nomads, especially, you know, in North America, obviously, we probably don't know all the nomads all over the world, but people that you might generally like run into at a campsite or, you know, meet up with in Arizona or like, you know, whatever the case is, you know, it's a pretty small, tight knit community. And I think the thing that kind of runs through like the vein that runs through that is that everybody is super helpful and just wants to see other nomads thrive. Is that your experience as well? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. The community is a lot smaller uh, than I would have thought. I mean, it's still huge, though, and it's getting bigger. Um, I was in Utah after uh, Forrest and Alex and I were in Arizona together. I pushed out west further. I went to Utah, and I'm in a home depot parking lot working on Titan because I built Titan on the road. When I bought Titan, I just started driving the way. I put a mattress in the back, and I had a cooler. And that was it. And so every town that I went to, I just picked like a new project. I would go to Home Depot or Lowe's, get a two shopping carts, use those as saw horses, and I just worked in the parking lot. That's like, amazing. And I, I even had like like the their little cart guys like sometimes like, hey bro, can you hold this for me? Uh-huh. And they would be like holding stuff for me while I cut it or whatever. Like I legit did a lot of the work in Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, most of it, but I'm in the parking lot. This other woman, um, who's a van lifer as well. She's like, Hey, are you here for van fest? And I was like, for what fest? She's like van fest. I was like, no, but it sounds cool. Like, so she told me about it. And then the next thing I know I'm in hurricane, uh, Utah going to van fest. And I bought a ticket to go in cause I wanted to see all everybody's rigs. And, uh, they're like, no, 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 you can't come in here. 
you need what? to go around. Yeah, they were like, no, you need to go show your van. <laughs> so they made, so they're like, you can't just park here. Like, we want you to show your van if you'll show it. So they made me go through like the normal, like I guess the the exhibitioners eg- entrance, and I showed Titan. Wait a second, how did we not cross paths then? Because we were in there as well. Shut the front door. We were literally in there, parked up. Uh, right next to Brian with an eye. Uh, he had the, the like the beast of a uh, of a rig. Um, it was like painted it was tan. Painted, okay. kind of tan. We were right next Did to him. You, all right, so there was you know the, the two sections thing? at VanFest. There was like um, maybe the area closer to the concession and some uh, the buildings uh-huh. where they were like, uh-huh. and then there was like where everybody were parked in rows near the parking lot. Right. Yep. I was on the very outside edge on the part by the parking lot. Oh. So we were in That's the... That's so funny that we were literally at that event. Yeah, we were in I'm the so parking lot. I'm so surprised that we didn't run into each other. So we were closer to the building, but we were in one of, like, the regular parking spots. Um, uh-huh. But it's amazing because, like, there were so many people there, and we came across so many different people. It's just surprising that we the didn't show. know we were both there. I can't believe that we were both there and didn't see each other. That is ridiculous. And... I mean, did you guys go to that, like, little show in the parking lot that uh, we, night? Yeah, with, like, the band to, was playing. Was yeah, the band. I walked out there. I think you stayed back. No, I came with you for oh, a while. you did? Yeah. For a very short period no, of time. No, we were out there for a while. Yeah, I mean, I was there watching the band. You know, we were all having... Some beverages? Sodas. <laughs> sodas and stuff. <laughs> I was walking Paco around out there. Cream soda or root beer? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was root beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that is ridiculous that we were both. Yeah, so I went to VanFest, and I met, like, several people. You guys I didn't meet, but I met lots of other people. And then I go out to Cali, and I'm bumping into, like, just diff- random places I'm going to go and stay. I'm bumping into other people that I'd met at VanFest. Uh-huh. I guess we didn't talk about it or anything. And then ever since then, I just keep bumping into people from there. That's well, like all... you just bumped into some more people from there. Yeah, so, hello. that is so Great awesome. Actually, we finished our van in Florida and had three days to drive from Southwest Florida to Huracan, uh, Utah. And so we, we boogied it out that way. That's um, hilarious. After finishing our van, it took us four months to build it. So, yeah. That's crazy. I was following you guys and you were doing uh, your stuff in Florida. I think around, because just after Hurricane... Uh, is when I went to Baja. I went out to okay. Cali, and then I swung down into Baja, and then I just got back to the States a couple weeks ago. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about that, because that is the real gem of wisdom that we want to drop on people today. You've spent a ton of time traveling through Central America in the van, right? Um, yes. From Nicaragua, or you have roots in Nicaragua. Sure. Um, so let's talk about, you know, traveling in Central America. I feel like when we were first talking about getting on the road, that was our plan, you know, pre-pandemic. We had all these things we wanted to do. And then obviously 2020 kind of blew those plans up. But now we're at a place where we're like, okay, we're ready. We think the world is ready. Like, let's go and try to do our original route. Um, And we're getting some pushback from people that's like, it's so dangerous. Don't do it. Like, be scared. Don't go. And so... For us, it's really about, you know, finding people like yourself who've done this before and who have experience with it. Because why would I, you know, talk to 
a dentist about my heart condition. You know what I mean? <laughs> For so sure. Absolutely. Like, it's like, uh, it's just, I want to talk to people who've done it, who've actually had their boots on the ground, who know what it is to Shake travel in these places, because you know a lot more about it than, you know, Frank's grandma. Well, I will say this. Much like I'm sure you guys might have uh, had people say to you when you decided you were going to do van life, don't do it. How are you going to do it? Like, yeah. you're crazy. Everybody thinks that anything that isn't what they're doing is ridiculous and crazy. Of course, I went ahead and got the van anyways. You guys did as well. And I love van life. So contrary to what everybody thought and said, I went ahead and did it anyways. And I fell in love. So... I appreciate people's tales of caution or, you know, advice. Um, so that being said, yes, of course, even as a, even as a, you know, a Latino, uh, family from Nicaragua and everything, um, lots of time in Central, I speak Spanish, my whole family and everybody I knew was like, don't go to Mexico. They're going to kill you. They're going to eat you, you know, whatever the cartel, every, every bad thing that, they could possibly think they thought. And of course I went anyways, cause that's how I roll. Um, Mexico is awesome. There are lots of tips about it. Uh, there, I would say first, um, it's kind of expensive, uh, just to go into Mexico. So, um, I went through Baja, Baja, Sur, Baja, California, Baja, Sur, and then Sonora which is like the three sections of that state of Mexico, you don't need to have a permission, which is essentially like a visa for your vehicle. Um, to go into mainland Mexico, you will need to have the permission. If the police stop and you don't have the permission, they can seize your vehicle. Uh, so you have to have that. Every other country you're going to go to will require it as well. Most countries, it's like free or $5. Between the insurance, oh, and like the insurance in all the other countries is like $10, 15 bucks, you know, for like three months. Mexico, I think to have the cheapest liability insurance for Titan, which I only said he cost $35,000, which is so much more expensive than 35, like three times more expensive than that. Um, I think it was like $1,000. I paid, I think, that day to enter Mexico for the permission, my visa, the insurance, everything was like 1200 bucks. Wow. USC. So, yeah, USC. And I was really surprised by that. And it's not like I bought the crazy insurance or anything. It was like what I had to have. Because if they cop stop you, they'll, get to, they'll find you. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's that. Two, um, Security, as far as everything goes, like my, my number one tip uh, for security throughout Central America was everywhere I went, I just parked in front of a police station and I would ask a cop if it was cool if I stayed there. And I never once had a problem. The only time I ever had problems with any type of security, which it did come up a couple of times, uh, was when I would stay at a hostel or I was near uh, the American border mm. and some of the border towns. So I got into a fight with a guy because he was trying to break into my van. Uh, when I was in uh, Texacali, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, can't. I was somewhere on the border. And so they're breaking into my rig. I'm inside. They're like trying to go in through the back. And I 
jump out the slider and then they were like two little crackheads. So it was whatever, but it was an easy situation to resolve yeah. for me. But uh, they basically, a couple swings got swung. They ran off. This is in Mexico, mind you. And at the corner, there was a police officer watching. And he comes up to me and he's like, oh, I saw the whole thing. And I was, he's like, you should make a report. I was like, if you saw the whole thing and you didn't do anything, what's the report going to do, bro? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I was like, whatever. But the rest of Latin America, I had no issues at all. It was literally at the border of the United States, which is kind of dangerous. And it looks sketchy, too. Like, there's mm-hmm. no town there that you're like, this is really nice. You're like, we should... We should, we should leave. I don't recommend. Yeah, I don't really recommend spending any time in TJ because you guys are going to do Baja first, correct? Yeah. yeah. So basically, what we've heard is that as soon as you cross the border, you kind of want to just Boogie. like get south. Yeah, get past. Yeah, the border. go to like Ensenada. Yeah, you'll go to Ensenada probably first, um, just past TJ. We that's what we did. We went with a convoy of people. I think we had like seven rigs or something. We all had walkie-talkies and stuff, which was really nice, which I mm-hmm. highly recommend that if you don't have to get while you're traveling around, um, either have CB radios or get some push-to-talk like little walkie-talkie guys from Walmart. Not only is it a really good idea in case someone needs to stop, you get separated, whatever, but it's a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually, love, we yeah. love our walkie-talkies. <laughs> yeah. Every time we're in a caravan, we're like, does everybody have their walkie-talkie? Let's mm-hmm. dial it to number mm-hmm. three. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, we've had so much fun with the walkie-talkies. And also, like you're saying, it's on a safety feature, too. Like, if somebody, you know, something happens, you can easily radio because your cell phone might not be as reliable as Absolutely. it would be in the United States. Well, that was kind of leading me into the point. Baja, you need to have some extra gas cans. Um, I highly recommend having a couple because there are some areas where you might, like, it's very difficult to make it. Mm. It's, Just like when you're gonna, large, between gas stations, correct. you're going to run large out gaps. of fuel. Yeah, there are large gaps. It depends on like your, your route and stuff, but I'm guessing you're going to be... like There's a big section in the middle that it's... like There are people who do sell some gas on the sides of the road, but they price gouge you pretty bad. For sure. And they don't always have it as well. So I would have a couple of gas cans, and there is zero cell reception. Wow. There's no cell towers. You're in the desert, so you need to have water and stuff like that. Like, there is a big gap area in the middle of Baja, California. So, you do need to be prepared for that. So, having walkie talkies, particularly in that case where your phones don't work, yeah, in case you need to communicate. And the truck drivers are insane. So, like, most of what we were talking about was like warning each other about the crazy truck driver that's coming. Because uh. these guys, like, Oh, okay. So here in the States, you know, the little dotted line says that you can pass when it's solid. Well, over there, the dotted lines are actually on the sides of the road. So you will be riding in the like median area on the side constantly. And all the traffic that's passing passes through the middle. Uh, That sounds safe. Yeah, bro. It's so scary. It is wild. And these truck drivers are driving like, I don't know. 140 kilometers an hour or something you know what i mean like big rigs going fast it's just so insane uh so let me ask you this what do you do for like your cell phone plan in mexico or central america do you keep your regular american plan or are you getting like local sim cards how does that work for you 
Telcel is the Mexican company. Uh, they're one of the most uh, expensive cell phone providers through Central America, um, I found, uh, but they have great service. Um, well, that's just like in America. It's like Verizon is going to cost you an arm and a leg, but you'll actually be able to use your phone. Yeah, and I mean, like, the Internet's really, really fast. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think I was buying 16 gigs for 500 pesos. So you'll have to do the math. Yeah, Yeah, you'll have to do the math uh, to figure that out. But you can go online. It's Telcel is the company, and they'll have plans and stuff on there um, for you to buy. I did, like, prepaid everywhere I went in Mexico. It was perfectly fine outside of some little gaps where there just aren't cell phone towers. Right. Well, you're going to get that in the States as well. Yeah, that being said, I did have some friends who were in the caravan that maintained their, like, AT&T plan or whatever, and they just called them and said, hey, I'm going to be in – Baja, do you have coverage? And they're like, yeah, we cover, you know, this area of Mexico. You're fine. And they had to pay like 10 bucks extra or something to be able to have unlimited while they were there. Mm-hmm. But I would say for you, for you guys, because if you're going to be going south, you just need to start getting used to it. Make sure that your phones are unlocked. So like um, I have an iPhone X. I've had it for like since they came out. So I paid it off a long time ago so I can unlock it. So for you to be able to put in another SIM card. Right. And we could also use our cell phone booster because it takes SIM cards. Mm -hmm. So we should hopefully be able to buy like an internet plan and have it into our cell phone booster. Well, I have something similar, uh, like a cell phone booster. Well, we have Um, a pep wave. um, I have like a little Wi-Fi router. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I can stick, I can stick SIM cards into it as well. Um, but to be honest with you, half the time I just use my phone, it's so much easier. Um, so, um, security, I felt really good everywhere I went. Um, I parked in front of police stations most of the time, uh, hostels occasionally. Um, water was really easy with iOverlander. Unbelievably easy to get water. Um, there's a couple of little parts, which I can make you guys a little part list to make sure that you have some adapters for the different like sizes for like hoses and stuff that you'll yeah. need. Yeah, because like it's just like a piece of PVC pipe that they have. Okay. So in some places it'll be um, three-quarter inch. Some places it'll be a half inch. So I have like just a couple little adapters because you're just going to shove your hose. Like with a, it'll have a clip. I don't know how all the proper yeah. names for everything. but <laughs> That's okay. Will the water bandit work? We have a water bandit, which is like kind of like a rubber uh, thing that goes over the top of your hose and then – uh, any any pipe could kind of slide into it, I think. Well, I mean, I imagine as long as it can take half inch or three quarter inch uh, PVC, then you'll be good to go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Perfect. I heard that they drive uh, around with water trucks too. Is that is that uh, also? I did trucks? not see any water trucks driving around like that. But I mean, everywhere you go, and I mean everywhere you go, there's going to be an agua, uh, an agua, um, a water. Purification what place. do they call it in Spanish? Agua, uh, agua purificado. <laughs> <laughs> Purified water. Well, so that's another yeah. big question I think that people have. You obviously are fluent in Spanish. How important is that when traveling? Obviously, you want to like you know pick up words and learn the culture and you know do whatever. But there's no replacing being a native Spanish speaker versus you know. 
I can find a bathroom and ask for a taco, you know? Yeah, I met um, several other van life people I actually traveled with. Um, there was a couple uh, from Israel uh, who I absolutely loved. Uh, they, one of them speaks okay, kind of Spanish, like entry level Spanish, but the other one doesn't speak nothing. And they did absolutely fine. I mean, the only times you're really going to need me Spanish, I think is like at immigration when you're doing border crossings and stuff, because nobody, nobody's going to speak English. Yeah. If you're lucky, you'll meet somebody who's like standing in line who speaks English. Right. <laughs> but like the people there, I don't, whether they speak it or not, they're not going to speak it to you in my experience. Yeah. Right. So, so how um, difficult are the border crossings? Border crossings was actually really, really easy. In some cases, scary easy. Um, You're like, like am I, I done? Came, is that it? You know, I came okay. into Mexico at one place, like on my way back through, and I went on a, a weird route because I wanted to. And it was like three privates in the Mexican army. Oh, I'm sorry. No, this was on the, the Guatemalan side. It was like three Guatemalan privates. I show up. I don't think they've ever seen a foreigner like a West, like a white person or whatever, American trying to go through this border crossing. I think it's like for locals who live in that area is what they deal with. So I show up with my rig looking like a tank and everything. And they're like very, they didn't know what to do. They didn't even know what documents to ask me for. So I had to tell them what they needed. It's like, here you guys, like, here's all my papers. This is why you need this. And they're like young kids are like 18, you know, uh, and I was in the military, so I'm really used to talking to them. So I was like, listen, guy. Anyways, so they were like, okay, thanks. So then they let me through. And then it's time to enter the Mexican side. There was a dude asleep in a chair who popped up and was like, where are you from? I was like, Texas? He goes, oh, okay. And then he went and sat back down <laughs> and I just drove in. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing ever. But it did happen. Um, but generally speaking, that is not the case. Uh, but it is pretty easy. You'll go through the borders. Um, there'll be two places you go through. One place with your passport. They're going to look at you, take your fingerprints normally, snap a picture of your face, check your COVID card. Oh, that's another thing. So I did get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, had I not have gotten vaccinated, crossing borders would have been a pain. Because as long as you have your vaccination card, you don't have to have a, a prueba. A, a, what do you? The PCR test. That, yeah, PCR test. So you don't have to have the PCR test, except for Nicaragua. Mm. Nicaragua, whether you're vaccinated or not, you will have to have your PCR test. But yeah, so you will have to get that done. So you'll have to get that done in Honduras. I did it in the capital because I drove from the capital straight into Nicaragua. Um, but that is something you do to watch out for. Nicaragua is the only country that requires you to have the PCR test. Mm-hmm. And I would probably say that given the climate of changing rules and regulations and all this kind of stuff, that everybody should be checking before they're making any of these uh, trips or border crossings. You know, like double check everything. Constantly. Yeah. And we actually met some folks the other day by random. He used to actually work at American consulates all through Central America. And so he was saying, too, that it's actually really good for you to register with each of the consulates as you're traveling through the countries, you know, just in case they have to mass evacuate, whatever, 
they know that you're there. Well, that's absolutely right. And that's correct. I too worked in a military capacity for embassies. Um, yeah, you should definitely always contact your embassy, let them know that you're going to be there from estimated time to here, have the phone number. So far as security goes on that side of the fence, what I always do is carry a copy of my passport on one page. It's like my passport, my driver's license, the COVID card. And then whenever somebody would stop me, a police officer or whomever it is, I would always try and pass off the photocopy first. Mm -hmm. If I ever ran into a situation to where I felt uncomfortable with the police officer, um, or any government representative, normally I would just tell them I had a piece of paper on that passport photocopy of everything on the back was written in Spanish. Um, I do not speak Spanish very well. In order to resolve this problem, if I'm on the phone, I am contacting the American embassy so that they can assist us to resolve this issue. So if they were started giving me some flack, I would ask them to just turn the paper over. They would read that. And I could have told them, but it was playing a role. Like, you know, I like, don't speak Spanish. Right? <laughs> I'm this American guy. I don't know. Um, and they would read that. They would always leave me alone. Right. Like, yeah. They would, like, read that. And they'd be like, no, it's okay. You don't need to have somebody from the yeah. embassy. Never come. mind. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 well, so, it's a scary thing for them. Like, they don't want to have to deal with authority if they don't need to. Yeah. And, I mean... Another thing you have to be prepared for, too, as well, like um, the um, search and seizure laws that we have here in the United States to where, like, you have to have a warrant to go into the side of somebody's vehicle or check their pockets and that. So be prepared that if the police stop you, they're not only not only are they going to look in your van, they're going to open the doors and go inside. Like, they're not going to ask you, like, hey, can I go inside or... Or, hey, I'm going to go inside and look around. Like, they stop you. The door. And they start opening doors. You know what I mean? Like, so you have to be prepared for that. That's just how they roll down there. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, something you should be concerned about. Like, everybody was really nice. All the police officers. I only had one police officer who was kind of being a jerk. Yeah. And I wasn't really in a good mood. I could have been feeding it a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I think we were just both two jerks. I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> I was just wasn't in the mood for it that day. Um, but all the other times, like, everybody's been really nice, very respectful. They kind of pop their head in, look around. They see that I'm not, like, Moving trafficking. Moving crack or yeah, like, exactly. making meth or whatever. Yeah, they, they be- pop their head in. Most of the time, they're just interested to look and see what's actually happening. Sure. In their yeah. They don't see that kind of thing very often. So they'll probably ask, like, did you buy it? You know, did you buy it? How did you do it? Or, you know, yeah. a couple little questions like that. And then they leave. Like, yeah. they're just interested. They want to see what's going on. There. I think I'm going to be the guy at like VanFest, like, hey, come and check out my vehicle. You know, like that. I always gave tours. Done, you know, like uh, I'll be yeah. this is my toilet. I'll bend you. I'd always tell like, this is my fifth tour by uh, today. So yeah, I'm like, good. there's a fifth pair of cops that will stop me. Yeah. <laughs> So is that a pretty common thing then if you're like at number five of the day? Yeah. In Baja, no. Uh, Baja, you're not going to experience it. Most of Mexico, you're not going to have it too much. Guatemala, a little bit. I think I got stopped a couple of times in Guatemala, uh, like in a day. Because be, there's, there's uh, checkpoints. Mm-hmm. So there's just spots where police officers will randomly pull over drivers to check all of their documentation. Right. 
So my rig being that it looks like something a local person isn't driving, you know, they see it. I'm always selected as one of the people to pull over. The random non-biased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always selected for the random non-biased screenings. So <laughs> that's how it kind of works. Uh, particularly, I think Nicaragua's really bad about it. They'll have checkpoints. Everywhere. Everywhere. So, and I live there. So I get are pulled there, over. Are there any like... All the time fake checkpoints or like you know how would you discern like a real one from a fake one for you know like because i feel like i've heard stories which obviously i have no you know it's like a friend of a friend of mine told me you know whatever but you know of these like fake things or fake police trying to like shake you out or you know whatever that is have you experienced any of that um i have not um and i mean i've spent quite a bit of time throughout central uh america and mexico i've never not once they're always there's if they're not uniformed, you know, either in a military uniform, generally speaking, the military guys are carrying a military looking firearm, probably a Kalashnikov or something like that. Your police officers, if they're not carrying a similar type of firearm, they're going to have some type of firearm with them. They're going to have a like a, a marked vehicle like the military guys normally rolling around in like a Humvee kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cops are generally in a pickup truck that says policy on the side of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they don't look like those guys and somebody's trying to stop you, I always drive through. And I mean, I push myself through whether I should or not. I don't know, but I haven't had any problems doing that. And I will continue to do so. Yeah. How many times just, has that happened? Um, maybe a couple of times. Like a handful. No, like maybe three times in the course of. 10 years. Wow. Okay. So not something to generally be worried about. It's a rare thing. No, this is a rarity. I mean, I spend my family's from there. So I spend loads of time in Central America. Like I live there for a good portion of the year. Right. I wonder about like those border crossings and the people seeing these vehicles. Are they just interested? Like I personally think they're just interested in seeing what's inside and like, wait, you built this? Because 100%. could Could I build this? Like, yeah, one hundred percent. That's exactly cool right. Thing. It's a cool thing, and I feel like, you know, the 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 feeling of a border crossing in general, or being stopped by a cop in general, even as a white male, you know, is very nerve wracking. You know, like I get nervous, even though I have nothing on me, I'm not doing anything really wrong. You know, I I still get nervous. So that like that plays into the role of your feeling of like you might be getting you know mishandled, but realistically, yeah. they're just interested. Yeah, the, I, you're absolutely right. They, they are interested. Um, you just kind of have to, I think after the first couple times you get stopped and they kind of pop their head in and you get the, the vibe, you know, as it continues to happen, it will be like, it doesn't happen. Any, like, it's so whatever. You don't even yeah. care. You're just like, let's, let's, let's just, let's, yeah, come on, let's go. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. I'll show you around, you know, I'll give you the, the <laughs> lightning tour. <laughs> you if know, you really want you to get, see the door, check out my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Like, it, it gets really easy and more and more comfortable. I remember even on this go around when I started, because I didn't know Mexico at all. So, Mexico, this was my first time in Mexico proper uh, outside of Baja. And I was really nervous going into it. And I have heard all the stories that you guys have heard. Um, than everybody else has heard, you know? So I went into it really nervous. And so the first time I got stopped by a cop, I was like, you know, oh my God, 
yes, sir, no, sir, you know, I'm very nervous, wondering what was going on. But it was no big deal. And then I just kind of, you know, just got used to it. And then it's now I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All it's right. So no let's talk deal. about kind of like the more beautiful side of it. What's kind of, you know, some of you don't have to give us all your specific places because I know we talked to we don't want to like give away too many of the like hot spots or like secret spots. But like sure. what can people expect in terms of like, you know, you're going to be spending tons of time on the beach or you're going to be, you know, should you steer clear of big cities or like what were kind of like your favorite places generally to like hang out um and even like which was your favorite countries to stay in mm. you know uh well okay so first off we'll talk about baja and mexico uh in general so baja you're going to be on the beach what i would recommend um is finding a hotel that's on the beach go ask them if you can stay on their property someplace because generally you can use their facilities and stuff for free. You can go into the restaurant or something. So I've done that many, many times. I spend a lot of time solo out on the beach, you know, cause Titan is a hundred percent kind of, you know, there are rigs who we've built them out to be, you know, completely off grid. So yep. um, some people who don't have showers and stuff, they kind of work out deals with the hotels because I've traveled with people who didn't. So it was really convenient to have like either the beach outdoor shower, you know, or or be able to go into the hotel or a hostel. Um, but you will be spending most of your time, like the overwhelming majority of the time on the beach mm-hmm. and throughout Baja. Um, there are great by Overlanders, great resource to have. You definitely need to have maps.me, maps me as a backup GPS thing, because in case because it will work if you have no cell phone connection. So if you don't have, like, it's a backup for my backups. I had a Garmin, uh, which my Garmin did great in Mexico. It was garbage everywhere else. Um, it was really good in Mexico. It was, it was scary good, like weird little parking lot-y things it even had on there. It was amazing. Wow. Um, the Garmin was great. I highly recommend it. But if for whatever reason I had maps me, which did save my butt a couple of times when I was down in Guatemala, um, and then, of course, I use, you know, Google or Waze um, mm-hmm. to get around. iOverlander will give you every place out on the beach that one could ever want. So Ensenada was a really good place to be. Uh, Cabo is a great place if you're into big touristy places with uh, lots of beaches and fun, like bars and clubs and that kind of scene. Um, I was there for a day and it was really nice. It just wasn't my thing or whatever, but I could definitely see how people could enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a lot to do in that area. Um, Jacques Island. I highly recommend the, if you're into diving, Cabo is where it's at. I'm a, I'm a scuba diver, so you'll, you'll absolutely love it. Um, so, yeah, there's some Cabo. cool places. Cabo. Yeah, uh, Cabo Toto Santos is really cool. Um, there's a few places uh, that I can recommend as well, um, which I don't have the exact names for right now, but I'll get with you guys uh, about that as well uh, later. Mainland Mexico, Aguascaliente is really cool. Uh, you'll probably go to La Paz, La Paz to Mazatlan. Uh, so you take the ferry. 
Um, there's two ferries. The less expensive one is the one to go with. Uh, I can't remember the name of the company off the top of my head, but it was like $250 to take your rig across. And the nice thing about that one is you can sleep in your rig. Obviously. The more expensive one, um, you can't sleep in your rig. <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh, and I, <laughs> And not only does it make no sense, but the fact of security and the lesser price, like you being in your rig, your, your own Well, security, they probably want great. you to pay for like a cabin or something like that. I'm sure that there's some kind of reason that I can't figure out, but that's how they roll. So um, you can go online and easily find out. There's just a couple of companies. There's the one that's the lesser expensive one is the one to go with. Cool. Um, you can ask them. You know, can I sleep in my rig, though? We'll tell you. Um, the company that I went with told me no, but I was there, and I did it anyways. And I completely regret it. I never should have. But you'll Why? go from the pot. It was just, I'm like, my house is right over there inside of it, and I'm sitting in this chair. Luckily, I had brains enough to bring a hammock, and everybody else is, like, sleeping in these uncomfortable chairs and stuff. I went out onto the deck. It was beautiful out found a place to hang up my hammock and I crashed out and I was fine, but it's whatever, but I much rather would have slept inside of the house. I thought you meant that you went and slept in your van and regretted it. Oh no, 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 no. I regretted not being able to. It's only a one night Um, passage though. Yeah, absolutely. It's only one night. I mean, okay. So it's been a couple of days since we had the beginning of this conversation, we, since we got kicked off at Starbucks. Yeah, we yeah. got kicked off of the free Wi-Fi. So we're picking it up. So if it sounds a little bit different to anybody listening, that's why. But since we got off the call with you the other day, we were thinking. We were chatting about Mexico and crossing the border. And when you're crossing the border from the United States into Mexico, you have some rough places. You don't really want to stop. You want to keep going. And Alex and I were wondering if it's the same when you're leaving Mexico and you're going to the countries south of Mexico. Like, is every border's border towns... Shitty. Well, yeah. You know, I don't want to say that, well, but, like, a better term. potentially yeah. more dangerous. Yeah, um, well, that's a really good question. And it was something that I had as a concern as well, because I knew, of course, all the drama that happens on our border with Mexico, right? Drugs and... Coyotes bringing people across and all of the drama that happens on our borders and the border towns I've spent some time in because I lived in Arizona, uh, like right on the border. So I knew how rough the border towns could be. Um, So I was concerned as well. Once I got down into Chiapas, which is the southernmost state of Mexico, as you're going to be entering uh, uh, Guatemala. Um, Yes and no. So they are probably not as maybe nice and safe and pretty as like Puebla, Mexico or Guadalajara, for an example. Um, I will say that the, I was so shocked at the border crossing, like how it was in from Mexico to Guatemala. It was like this relatively narrow road that you're essentially driving through a very crowded uh, market. And it's not a very nice market um, in general. And like, there's a market on either side of the border. And it's like one town, right? Just split by a border. And uh, I was kind of like sketched by it. I don't know why, I guess just because of it was unfamiliar. I went in the like relatively early. It was like nine or something in the morning. Um, 
and I had no problem. I mean, nobody bothered me. Nobody stopped me. You know, I didn't see anything sketchy. I was just, I guess I felt uncomfortable because I knew I was near the border and maybe I just had that idea in my head, you know, that it, it might not be safe or whatever, but I went to the border area. You have to like check out of every country. So like, you have to check out of Mexico. So you have to stop by their immigration because they, they like work out a deal. The next country won't let you in unless you pay whatever fines that you owe the other country. And they both do it for each other. So like if you overstayed your visa, for an example, Mexico is going to charge you some money. If for whatever other little things similar to that, like your vehicle insurance, like little things like that, like you'll have to pay. Like when I left uh, Nicaragua, I had overstayed uh, the visa for my vehicle, my permission for my vehicle by, uh, 60 days, wow. uh, which I knew going into it, but I was just like, I'll have to eat this, uh, because my visa was for 90, uh, for my person, but in Nicaragua, they only do visas for your vehicle. Uh, and I keep calling it a visa. It's not really what it's called. It's a permission. It's a permiso, but I don't feel like saying permiso all the time. So okay. visa for your vehicle. <laughs> um, they only do for 30 days. So, and I don't know if your guys' rig is registered as an RV, but if it were, in Mexico, you can get your permiso for your vehicle for 10 years. Wow. Uh, to be in the country. Only so if then, it's an RV? Yeah, if it's registered as an RV. Commercial van, which is how mine was registered when I went through, uh, was 90 days. And then I also, no, I lied. That's a big fat lie. Six months. It was six months for both me and my vehicle. So, um, but yeah, so when you cross the border, it was actually relatively safe. The transition, you check out of Mexico, they'll stamp your passport. You go to the other side, you pay them like a few bucks to get into their country. Uh, some of the countries charge, I can't really remember right now off the top of my head, but it's like five or 10 bucks for your vehicle, like to get the permission uh, for your vehicle. Um, I actually at the Mexican border met a couple from Israel, uh, guy and Noga. So if you guys are listening, love you. Um, but we met them at the, the border of Mexico, Guatemala. We ended up traveling together through Guatemala for a while. And then we kind of you know Honduras, and we split up, met again in Nicaragua, and split up again. And now they're inviting me out to Israel, so probably gonna go, probably gonna go do that soon. I wanna, I wanna go back just a little bit and talk about those markets, right? For the people that are listening that don't understand what a market is, even myself, like I, I kind of get an idea, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Can you explain kind of what those markets look like and what they, what they are? Absolutely. So uh, in Spanish, the term would be mercado, right? And that's the market. Generally speaking, they're like, uh, it's a, a big sh- street or maybe a block or a couple of blocks, depending on the size of market you're going to be in. Um, they're going to sell everything from produce, meat, clothing, and all of this. And it's essentially just a very crowded area. Vehicles will move through, but you will move very slowly um, because people take precedence like in that environment. Um, there's a lot of hustle and bustle. You're going to have people who want to change out your money. They're going to notice you right off the rip. So you'll see the, in, in Nicaragua, we call guys who change money, uh, coyotes also. Just like the guys who smuggle people across the border. But yeah, um, but it has a different connotation. In Nicaragua. So the coyotes 
and they give you fair rate. Actually, I almost always, I've never had a problem at all. And you will need to have, and my recommendation is make sure you have dollars when you cross the border. Yeah. And have like a little bit of local currency. So like when you're going from Mexico, cause you can always change it. You'll lose a little bit, but you're not gonna lose enough to like, you know, you're not gonna be changing thousands of dollars. I assume, uh, you know, maybe 50 bucks or something, you know what I mean? So you'll lose a couple dollars. So it's not a big deal. Um, but I highly recommend that uh, the markets are super cool. You can buy everything, but you will notice something about the markets, which I think is, I joke about it often because it irritates me. So what happens is in the market, somebody starts selling like trinkets, for example, to tourists and tourists love it. And so they're selling a lot of it. And then somebody else is like, hey, those people over there, they're selling a lot of these trinkets and making money. So I'm going to open up a trinket store right next to their trinket store. And then the next thing you have is like 40 booths of trinket stores that all sell the exact same crap. Like you, you'll spend an hour in a mercado, uh, like in the trinket section. <laughs> and like it's legitimately the exact same stuff. And I'm like, why don't you guys, you know, think of something diversify. a little different. Yeah. Diversify a little bit, come up with some other types of trinkets. You know what I mean? Like something unique but they won't. And you'll, and you'll notice this with lots of things. So if you want to buy like rotisserie chicken, for example, you'll go to like the rotisserie chicken spot and there'll be like five businesses <laughs> of it. Cause like, nobody's like, I'm not letting anybody else have the business. Like they're making money. I'm making money too. So they just like, and there's like no permitting, you know, so you just throw up your, your chicken stand or whatever, you know? Um, but the medic, though, I will say you're going to likely get taxed. Um, just for being a tourist, like you're not going to pay local prices. Some people are going to gouge you a little bit more, but you can expect 100% expect that. I mean, in Nicaragua, they know me. I speak Nicaraguan dialect and I go to the market and they still do it to me. So they know I'm American. Like, Right. Well, they know that you can afford to pay the inflated <laughs> price. Sure. And I mean, for the most part, depending on what it is, I'm like, I don't mind paying a couple extra bucks than like the other people. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's not like a huge amount that it's like, you know, quadruple the price or something like it's. Still- yeah. And normally like for bigger items and stuff like that, I, you'll meet people, locals and stuff. I like I have people, family that live in Nicaragua. So I just I'm like, hey, wanted to buy a couple of these larger, more expensive items. Would you mind going and picking it up for me? <laughs> you know, so they go to the market and they'll they'll haggle a far better rate than I would be able to. Right. Um, is I would pretty common. Very common. I would say you can generally expect it. Um, like if you just take the price, you can always haggle down the price. You know what I mean? So if you meet somebody nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, yeah, okay. You know, $10. You'd be like, no, how about eight? You know, and they'll, they'll probably settle on eight. You know what I mean? Well, because they're uh, still charging you more than the five they would charge their friends. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's exactly right. So, um, you can always haggle a bit. I, I, you know, I will walk away from a store. Like if I'm hanging out in an area for a day or something like that, see something I like, haggle it out with them a little bit and then be walking by nonchalantly later and be like, Hey, 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 you know, I'll give it. All right, man. Eight fucking dollars. All right, let's do it. And I'm like, all right. You know? <laughs> nice. Yeah. So in our conversation the other day, we were kind of talking about what you could expect we talked from like each country a little bit. We talked a little bit about, you know, Baja and then mainland Mexico. And then so 
what would you say are kind of like your highlights of, you know, moving further south into Guatemala? Did you do some traveling El Salvador? That's a place that I feel like we've heard some, you know, Mi- not mixed reviews about. Yeah. Um, yeah. If well, you want to kind of break it down. We're going to cut this episode off right here because that was a lot of information on Mexico. I know that it was really good, valid information. We're going to use a lot of it when we drop down into Baja and then we switch over to mainland Mexico. It's great having this information now because this is stuff that we've never came across, actually. In doing all the research that we have, we didn't even know about the amount of money that we were going to have to spend just to make it to mainland Mexico. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the biggest thing. I was like, holy crap, we need to start budgeting for all these fees. But anyways. Yeah, yeah. Alex like immediately started a budget spread list and started putting money into savings just so we could be able to, you know, be in Mexico with the van. Yeah, so I know that you do get a lot of it back when you leave Mexico. Like you get a refund on some of it. But, but... you got to make sure you have that exit receipt. So yeah. you got to make sure you have that receipt and bring it back when you're exiting. That way you can retrieve most of that money back. But I think we got a lot of really great information to digest. And part two is going to be even juicier. And the cool part about part two is actually you can go and get it right now over on our Patreon account. You just got to sign up for a small fee. It could be $3, it could be 5 it could be 7 whatever you guys want to donate to the channel, and uh, you'll get quick early access to part two of this podcast. If you're looking to travel real soon, you might want to get on top of it because, I mean, Zeki has great information, and he's from Nicaragua, which actually puts him directly in the center of, of uh, you know, Central America. So. And when he gets to the part about Nicaragua, ooh, he gets spotlight. He's got so much information about yeah. Nicaragua. So you're definitely going to want to come on over to the Patreon and sign up for early access to this episode. You also get so much more content. As soon as you sign up, you get access to our complete Patreon library, which is all of our monthly podcasts, as well as tons of updates from the road, early access to YouTube videos. Depending on the level you pick, you also get some sweet merch. And we're always growing with our Patreon, so there'll be new perks added later on down the road. We love giving our Patreons everything that we absolutely can because they're the reason why we're still on the road today. You know, we have, we have them plus everybody who watches on YouTube, and we really appreciate the support. It just helps us travel. It helps us give you more helpful information, and we're just we're lucky to have you guys too. All right, guys, head over to the link down in the description of this podcast, and we will see you over on Patreon. You can also find Zeki in the links down below, and we hope that you guys have an FNA day. Hey, everybody knows it's true. Man, life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.